This episode is brought to you by the YouTube channel Comic Pop. If you enjoy this show, subscribe to youtube.com slash comic pop for even more deep dives into your favorite comics. Hey everybody and welcome to Off the Rack, the show where there's usually another person here. Um, it's just me today. Um, but we knew we had to not only do the show, but also announce the winner of the Keystone Comic Con. And Sal is sick. And when I say sick, I mean he is super sick. Um, we thought it was just a cold, and I think it still is, but like totally thought that he was going to be fine today. He seemed like yesterday was going to be the worst. He was like, oh, I'm good. This is the worst of it. This is the worst of it. And then, nah, today was way worse for him. Um, he tried really hard to, you know, make it through, but he was just like, it's not happening. And I was like, well, we got to do this. So it's going to be like a super kind of smaller off the rack. Um, and then at the end, I'm going to announce the winner of our two Keystone Comic-Con badges. Um, we're super excited about that. Don't forget, if you don't know about the Keystone Comic-Con, um, it's a show that's happening actually this coming weekend. And on Saturday, we're going to be doing a panel at 3 p.m. It's going to be all of us. That's right. It's me, Sal, Ben, Ethan. We're all going to be there. It's going to be all of us. It's going to be, it's going to be pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, so here we go. I'm going to try to do what Sal does off the rack i got images set up and transitions and things and we'll see how this all fails and then next week will be way better so yeah yeah um there's some pretty big, big books that came out this week i did try to talk to sal um about them as much as possible but he was he's kind of out of it let's be honest this is a little out of it he's just been playing spider-man and then like sleeping and trying to like eat soup and drink as many liquids as possible but yeah, um, let's get into it. Let's start with, let's see, what, have I, what do I want to start with here? You know what? I do want to start with this one. Let's start with some Asgardians of the Galaxy. Um, last, or last time when I saw that this was coming out, I was just so excited simply by the cover. We got Valkyrie and Angela at the same time. Um, yeah, uh, so this was like kind of like, I, I got to check this out. I haven't um, been keeping up with Guardians of the Galaxy um, in, a, in a while, honestly, so... For me, this was an exciting time to get back on. You got the Asgardians, you got this kind of mystical element to it, and you know, you got the play on words there. Kind of kind of a big fan of the play on words. Um, this uh, book, honestly, I had a good time. It's a lot of fun if you haven't checked it out at all. Um, very interesting team we got going on here, and a lot of um, mystery involved. Mystery. I'm going to say mystery like that just because it's like... Some of the mystery is a true mystery. Some of it's in the telling of the story. They use a lot of, um, you know, like not directly telling the story in a linear fashion in order for us to maintain some of the, oh, what's going to happen next sort of thing. But then legitimately at the end, there's just like, hey, but what secretly is going on behind the scenes? Um, basically, the this, this story begins on Earth, which is like, I don't know, that's kind of interesting because typically... You think Guardians of the Galaxy, you think space, you think Asgard, you think definitely not Midgard, although they do spend a lot of time here, let's be honest. We see Annabelle Riggs, uh, archaeologist, hanging out with Ren Kimura, who's an inhuman. They're friends, they're hanging out, they're whatever. They're possibly a little more than friends, but we don't actually get to find out because just as... Um, <laughs> just as Annabelle is about to um, kind of, I guess, say a little something more to Kimura, Angela and the Destroyer show up, and they're like... Hey, you got to come with us because the, the galaxy needs saving and we need you. And uh, Annabelle's like, yeah, uh, what? And Kamora's like, do you know these people very much? You know, and she's like, eh? Um, which we'll find a little more about Annabelle as the story goes on. 
Um, we then kind of cut to the planet of temples. Uh, I'm going to butcher this title, um, but uh, Draketh? 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 I don't know. I'm, I'm not one for that. Uh, where a massive epic battle is going on, um, and we have all these Asgardians, and we've got uh, a bunch of Chitari and the Cronin, and it's just craziness going on in the midst of it, and Annabelle's attempting to uh, examine an artifact, and um, essentially Scourge is like, hey, if you could like help us fight now instead of dealing with this artifact, that would be super sweet. She's like, well, I'm an archaeologist, and I don't think you brought me here really to fight, and that's just as she's about to be hit, when uh, her glasses start to glow, which, by the way, that would be pretty awesome, and um, Valkyrie shows up, because right now Valkyrie is sharing a body with Annabelle. And according to the comic, it's complicated. That's, that's her status update right there. It's, it's, it's a little complicated, which I completely understand, um, because honestly, uh, we just saw Brunhild, or Brunhilda, however you want to pronounce it, uh, in Thor, where she helped Thor out with um, the whole Hela, or yeah, Hela marriage and all that, and taking the whole like area realm back. And uh, there she is. And they do reference that sort of in a way. Um, but as far as I know, I didn't get an explanation there. Maybe there's something I'm missing. I, like I said, I haven't really been keeping up with either the Guardians of the Galaxy or too much with the Asgardians, except for uh, the most recent Thor run. And, um, you know, she starts, you know, kicking butt with Scourge. They're, you know, taking names and the whole thing. And we kind of get this nice, uh, fun introduction to this, the, the whole team. So now we know that uh, Valkyrie is sharing a body with Annabelle. We've got um, Angela and the Destroyer doing their things. The Destroyer, of course, destroying things. And uh, then we see Thunderstrike is there as well, uh, who is uh, the son of Eric Masterson. He's got all sorts of uh, Asgardian weaponry. He's doing his thing and uh, he's posturing and all that. And... He's basically a distraction because also Throg is there and uh, he seems to be possibly the most brutal and violent of the lot. Uh, takes out a whole bunch of the Cronan by going through their chests and just destroying them utterly. Uh, it's, it's kind of a, a pretty epic scene. And um, honestly, guys, to be, to be perfectly frank, I am not a true fan of um, the frogs. To be, <laughs> to be honest, so when a bunch of the Chitauri are fleeing from him, they're like, run, it's coming. I'm like, I felt like that. Not, mm, yes, 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 totally on board. But Throg, of course, is totally awesome, totally badass, absolutely love it. Um, at the end of the day, Valkyrie ends up actually destroying the artifact that Annabelle was working on. And um, she's like, hey, yeah, don't tell her that I did that. Say that, like, Throg did it. Uh, uh, just don't tell her it was me, okay? Um... But before we get that opportunity to see how Annabelle will react to this, we go, again, back in the storyline to when Annabelle uh, is on their uh, the Asgardian ship, and uh, they're rocketing through space, and the ship is actually powered by part of the Rainbow Bridge, which is kind of cool. And she's like, how did you get this? And Angela's like, let's not talk about how I got it. All that matters is that I have it, and that we're basically we're being powered by a rainbow power, which is... A really cool looking like element to this, just them blasting through space, basically powered by Bifrost in a sense. Kind of neat. Um, and essentially it's just the team meeting and, and being like, okay, so this is not a team that is normal, let's be honest. Annabelle kind of calls her out on how like either Angela has surrounded herself by people who you would never be seen with or people who are completely expendable. And at the end of the day, Scourge doesn't care because he feels like it's better than being in hell, where he was. And uh, Annabelle's like, yeah, but 
let's be honest, we don't know where Angela's going to lead us, so it may or may not be. But they don't have time to really get further into this because they arrive at their destination, which, as I mentioned before, um, was the uh, Planet of Temples. And before they get there, they're greeted by a bunch of this, this scene of like dwarves floating in space and they're dead. And I got to be honest with you, ever since we've seen the dwarves in um, Infinity War, <laughs> I feel like the comics have just been really just wrecking them. They're just like, yeah, no, now it's just free reign on the dwarves. Um, over in uh, Doctor Strange, one of them had been captured, tortured, the whole, like, lot there. And now a whole bunch of them were chained up and, like, left into space. And Annabelle notices that all their fingernails are missing, which is an important point for later on. Uh, upon landing on the planet, um, they find that Nebula is there. And Nebula has one of the dwarves uh, basically chained up and like she's holding an his guardian weapon and there's a horn involved and she has an army behind her of various uh, races and warriors and such and look she's there to do her thing she ended up actually putting the dwarves into space because um, one of them promised to do something the one that she currently has right now that if, if uh, he helped her find the horn that she would let, let them go and she's like but I did technically let them go into space so, you know, and Angela's like, enough of this. I don't care. I, you know, let's be honest. I'm just going to kick your butt because I don't really care about you. And, you know, you're not the kind of person who's going to like beg for mercy. So let's let's go for it. And Nebula strikes her down like instantaneously with either what you might call lightning or magic. I'm not certain what's coming out of this axe that Nebula is wielding now. But what she ends up doing is taking the axe and basically cutting a like swath into like reality and she's going to leave and she's off to find Gamora who has some stuff going on over Infinity Wars number one because she's just like, yeah, Gamora's taking over the family business. I don't think so. I'm going to go deal with that and unleash Ragnarok, which of course the Asgardians have dealt with before. So it's like, it happens. Ragnarok happens sometimes, guys. And uh, that's when her forces basically, you know, take you know their lead and go after our Asgardians of the Galaxy and we come back to now where the Asgardians of the Galaxy have won the day, but the um, the artifact that, that was, or the casing, I guess, for the artifact uh, has been destroyed. And Annabelle wanted to investigate it in order to like figure out what it was that Nebula was there for. Um, so basically, uh, Valkyrie's like, all right, so I'm going to have to go back and become Annabelle. Like I said, don't tell her it was me. Tell her it was anybody else. I don't care. She switches back. Annabelle's here. She's like, oh, come on, guys. Really? Like, I asked you to do one thing. It was to not, like, destroy this reliquary. And you did. You totally ruined it. And immediately scourges like it was Valkyrie. She did it. It was, it was her. Like, just <laughs> completely gives her up for no reason. Just, nah, it was her. Anyway, Annabelle picks up some of the pieces. She starts to investigate them, checks out some of the inscriptions, and she's just like, huh. This makes reference to Naglfar? I don't know. This is, I love the whole Norse mythology thing. I just don't know how to pronounce any of the names, um, which is the ship of the dead that ferries lost souls into war and is built out of fingernails. So gross, first of all. Um, second of all, explains what happened to all the dwarves and why Nebula had removed their fingernails and that the reliquary contained a horn that would call the ship. But it turns out it's not just one ship, it's like a fleet of ships because the Asgardians have faced Ragnarok time and time again, 
And um, essentially the gods are reborn into new bodies. But what happens to those old bodies? Where do they go? They're soulless corpses. Where, where do they end up? Well, they're, they're on these ships and um, they're not too happy, needless to say. Um, and the idea is that they're on their way. And um, <laughs> again, like I said, none of them are too happy. And it's not just those from North, Norse mythology. It's from all different mythologies that are kind of mixed into this. So, you know, we get a bunch of like peeks into what's coming, some crazy um, kind of squid monster looking things. And then we get the reveal of what Angela has been hiding um, because Annabelle doesn't believe that Angela isn't working for someone and she wants to know who it is that she's working for. What we find out is that the destroyer, which I believe has to now be manned by someone, um, is in fact manned by someone and it's Kid Loki. And uh, Kid Loki wants control of the undead armada and uh, he's going to use it for his own desires there. So again, the mystery in this book Definitely, um, you know, right at the end there, we get that like, bam of like, it's kid Loki. What is he going to do with it? Of course, it's Loki involved with this. Why would Angela be working with him? What is it that she wants from him? And um, some of the mystery comes from the, the storytelling uh, of this book. Interesting introduction to the team, honestly, just kind of how they work together. Most of them are really just in it for like a fight and that's all they care about. And um, I don't know, I'm gonna, probably going to keep going with this for at least another book. Again, I like the idea of the undead Armada here, uh, Noggle Far, kind of a cool concept. We saw some really interesting undead sort of corpse-like Asgardians on the ship. I think that's a really interesting visual. Um, ties into Ragnarok. I'm not sure how much this is going to tie into Infinity Wars uh, that's going on right now. But again, I'm kind of on board, but I'm not like totally sold on it just yet. I think for me, it's going to take another issue or so for it. So yeah, um, there you go. I think Sal also read this one, but I didn't ask him about how he felt about it. Um, so I can't give you any insight on that. Um, but let's move on to, uh, let's say, hmm, let's do a DC book. Uh, let me see here. Trying to, trying to make this work. Trying to, yeah. Um, you know what? No, 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 no. Let's not. Let's say Marvel. Let's go with the book I know that Sal also read this week. And uh, as far as I know, he loved it. Death of Inhumans number three came out. Um, oh, wait, before I do that, I do have to go to the Super Chat. I got to run this like Sal. Got to run it like Sal. So before we talk about Death of Inhumans, hang on real quick. Heartless Fang says, someone call Joe and prompt to episode of the poll. <laughs> right? Um, also, Tales from Island Z, uh, thanks for the great job. Well, thank you so much for that. That's so kind of you. Um, and, you know, I know this, this show is nothing without uh, Sal, but I appreciate it so much. Um, so, um, all right. So Death of Inhumans number three. I was very excited to get my hands on this and check this out. The book has honestly been incredible so far. Um, writer, of course, Donnie Cates. Artist, Ariel Olivetti. Um, it's funny about the book itself. Uh, the art style for me, sometimes I'm like, I really dig it. And sometimes not so much. Um, it has its ups and downs. But like the story itself is so good that I'm just like, nah, it's good. It's solid. It's just a solid book. So far, um, last issue, of course, uh, spoilers for those who don't know, um, but Vox slit Black Bolt's throat, um, which is like, yeah, how do you uh, like take down Black Bolt? That's an excellent way to do it. And by excellent, I mean ooh, horrible. Um, <laughs> but um, anyway, we open uh, with Medusa 
basically sitting there alone, which is interesting because, of course, uh, she's become accustomed to silence with the man that she's chosen um, to be with, in a sense. And uh, But this silence is maddening to her because he's gone, he's been gone for too long, he hasn't returned, and uh, she wants to know what's up. And uh, we find her actually sitting there, and there's like pieces of her hair around her, almost like she'd gone to the like to get her hair cut. Um, but what turns out is she's like ripping her hair off because she doesn't know what else to do. And I'm like, that's messed up. That's like a living part of you. That is that is messed up. Um, but she soon gets word that uh, they found someone, and it turns out that it's Karnak. And Karnak was actually chasing down uh, the Cree. And um, when they found him, he was like half frozen, half dead. Life support was pretty much the only thing powering the ship at that point. He was just like, I don't need it. It's fine. I'm just going to go. And uh, Karnak's like, they've got him. They they slit his throat and they took him. And um, yeah, I don't know what we're going to do now. And uh, immediately it's like, hey, we should go tell the Avengers. We should totally go uh, let anyone else know. And maybe they can help us out. And Medusa's like, nope. Because I got I to tell you right now, this is something to do with uh, like finding our king. This has to do with finding my husband. And there is no place for heroes with what we're going to do next. And I'm like, ooh, okay. What are we going to do next? But we don't have time to find that out. Because we go to where the Cree where they have Black Bolt and they have like removed most of his like top part of his costume. And there is a like surgeon, and I'm going to use that term very loosely, uh, who is stitching up Black Bolt's neck. And... Um, Vox is talking to one of the generals saying, like, do you hear that? Like, there's nothing like he's not screaming. Like, the point is, like, if he could scream, he would. He, you know, we have taken everything from him. We've destroyed his kingdom. Um, we have slit his throat and now we're stitching him back up with no anesthetic, not putting him under, no painkillers, nothing. He would scream if he could. We have defeated him. The prophecy is over. Like, we don't have to worry about it anymore. See, we're good. Long live the Korean Empire. Awesome. And um, so Basically, they end up imprisoning him because they're just like, you know, what now? There's nothing, nothing we can do about. It. Like, nothing he can do now. Uh, he's got two guards with him, and uh, they start kind of poking at him, like being like, "Yeah, sing us a song. Like, come on, like, say something, do something." And he starts attempting to talk, and he starts like his list and the list he's been taking since the beginning of this book with all the various inhumans who have fallen. Um, and of course, Lockjaw, Maximum. Uh, Maximus, um, and uh, he starts naming them. And as he's saying each name, you see kind of like crackles of power uh, starting to occur. And um, the two Cree guards are just like, "Hey, we're not supposed to kill you, but it's like we will if we have to." And um, inevitably, he starts affecting the room around him enough that like the guards like start having nosebleeds; they're not feeling well. Um, and he ends up taking them out. Uh, they do try desperately to take him down. And uh, Black Bolt realizes that he doesn't have the power that he once had, but he has enough that he can at least affect the room around him for the time being. And then he's like, he knows he has enough to do like one big like blast of damage. And so he's got to save it. He's got a plan for it. And it starts talking about how he starts crafting his song, basically, and that it'll be an aria. And this is whole thing. And I really like it a lot. I like a lot of the um, references to music and and to um, just song in general because for a character like Black Belt, I think that's a, a really interesting like dichotomy and like parallel for him. And um, so he makes his way through the prison and it turns into this almost like sort of die hard sort of feeling thing where he's just like, yep, he's just making his way through. He's picking up weapons as he goes along. He uses his powers sparingly here and there. Um, we get like a, a good kind of glimpse into what the Kree is working on. And then as he is making his way through, he ends up running into Ronin. And um, 
Ronan is like strapped to a table and um, there's all these tubes and like things coming into him and like um, he's actually able to say his voice which is interesting because it's like it's um, you know Black Bolt's not one for talking and uh, so Ronan's like it's nice to hear your voice but like clearly Ronan knows that something's up and he explains that he's just like you need to understand like when I got back they'd already gained control the heretics they're out of control um, they have desecrated the supreme intelligence and their plan is to basically, you know, craft and create what it is that they want out of the Kree. And if they can't do that, they'll either kill you or break you. And that's kind of it. And Ronan doesn't want to be turned into anything else. And um, so he asks Black Bolt to basically kill him. And Black Bolt seemingly does. Um, and like Ronan makes apologies and... Um, and I say he seemingly does because he whispers into his ear. He says, you're forgiven. So presumably uh, that's it for Ronan. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, if, if not, if nothing else, he died off panel. So no body, no death. Um, but, I mean, obviously he's probably dead. Um, we get to check in with um, Medusa and her crew along the way. And um, they keep alluding to uh, the their destination and um, the individual that they are seeking to find um who they're like you know what he's not gonna be super happy he's not one for helping us but at the end of the day he was friends with lockjaw they went on lots of adventures together and that enough will cause him to want to tear through the korea empire to find him like to to seek vengeance for him and i was like that's awesome because at least lockjaw can't die for nothing okay <laughs> like just can't have it um so they go to marcus centauri uh, which they reference um, having uh, a planet being a planet that was destroyed hundreds of years ago, and they reference Cosmic Ghost Rider number two, which I thought was interesting um, because you know that that looks a little over the top and ridiculous. We have this very super serious, um, very like uh, dire sort of event going on. And they're like, eh, and check this thing out because it's very different than what you're reading right now. Um, and so they arrive on the planet um, and come to a hut. Someone yells out that that's far enough, that they don't care. They don't like, like, I don't work for anybody. I don't have allegiances. I'm totally drunk. And um, they start like saying like, listen, like, I know that's like your bag here, man. But like they killed Maximus, they killed Triton, they killed Lockjaw and they've taken, and they didn't even get a chance to say that they've taken Black Bolt because obviously Lockjaw was the magic word. And what we get is the reveal that it's Beta Ray Bill. And um, yeah. Beta Ray Bill's joining the team here and uh, he's going to be causing some serious damage, presumably to um, the Kree, oh, the, the heretic Kree, which is like kind of phenomenal. It's like the image of Beta Ray Bill being this kind of like paunchy, like drunkard with his like hammer just hanging from his belt, like no shirt. Really, really super interesting. Like he's seemingly out of shape. So I'm wondering if we're going to get Beta Ray Bill being like, rusty not used to combat not used to war but being just overcome with the desire for like you know vengeance just this overwhelming feeling of wrath um filling him which would be pretty amazing and i gotta tell you that the cover for the next issue of medusa sitting there with what looked like a almost skeletal face and just all the hair incredible i can't wait to see where this uh this series is going to go um this is one of the ones that Sal was just like, he loved it. He loved every moment of this book. He has loved every issue of it up till this point, obviously. And hopefully, hopefully we'll just enjoy the entire series, which is like terrible to say because 
of uh, this being very much like the like end of Inhumans for the time being, um, or at least leading up to that. Who knows what will happen in the end? Um, not we have not gotten any further information about Vox, about the costume, about who he is. Um, I think Kate is probably saving that, which is pretty smart. I hope it's not going to be one of those last issue reveals, though, because I'd rather have it be a reveal, let it sink in, and then have like at least one more issue. Um, so hopefully next issue we will get that. I don't know. I don't know. I I can't tell. I'm not going to tell Donnie Kate's how to sell a story. I'm not going to do that. Um, but just really, really excited. And again, like love that Beta Ray Bill poll. Nice to see him. Um, I don't know if it's just Asgardians are super popular um, right now because we get Asgardians of the Galaxy. Uh, we got Beta Ray Bill showing up. And not that he's an Asgardian, but tied into that mythos in a sense. Um, just... Very cool. Very, very cool. Um, so, yeah. Um, let me check to see. Uh, all right. What is next? Um, okay. <laughs> um, this one I won't go super in, in depth on. I don't know how many people are really interested in this, um, but I just want to mention that it came out definitely and uh, just talk about it very briefly. Uh, here we go. Uh, Sam and the Dreaming came out this week. Um you know, we got that huge, like, you know, like, the Sandman universe book that came out where it was just like, hey, check out all the books that are going to coming out. Um, but the Dreaming number one came out. Um, so, ah, guys, before I even get into this, I got to tell you, like, I just, I still don't know how to feel about this. I read this a few days ago and... Um, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's written by Simon Spurrier with um, art by... I'm so sorry about how I'm going to pronounce this. Bilquis? Evely? 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 I don't know. Um, but um, this book is meant to kind of pick up, you know, post the whole Sandman thing. I'm guessing also post what recently happened with um, Daniel Hall in uh, Dark Knight's Metal. And uh, and by that, I mean he, was, he kind of showed up. <laughs> he just did his thing a little bit. Um, but... Um, yeah, there are definitely some elements of this book I really, really enjoy. Um, loving the fact that we don't know what's going on uh, with Lucian, the fact that he's kind of losing his mind, um, the fact that in um, Sam and Universe we've discovered that Daniel Hall has um, abandoned his post, in a sense, as Dream, which, you know, the first Sandman um, books, well, not the first, like, Sandman Mystery Theater, but, like, the Gaiman um, Sandman books started off with uh, Dream missing, but he didn't abandon it. He was basically captured and kept away from his post for, like, 70 years. And in this book, it's dealing with the idea of, of an endless who just leaves. Like, what happens then? And, like, obviously something is happening to their world. And, like, there's a huge crack. And now these, like, faceless, like, beings have shown up. And um, they're just kind of wandering throughout the dreaming. And no one's really certain what they are. Some people think they're, like, malicious. Others don't. They're just trying to keep them corralled. And um, we see a lot of our the characters that we know just trying to figure out what they're going to do. And Matthew and Lucian are like, we got to get Dream back. Lucian is having, again, like I said, like a hard time keeping focused in a sense. And um, Matthew's like, dude, like, I get it. Like, you're meant to be in charge here, but like, you can't do it on your own. You have to, have to go find Dream. And he's like, yeah, no, you're right. I get it. Um, a lot of this issue, though, is spent dealing and, and discovering and uh, talking about Dora um, who is a, a new character who's been created for this series, introduced her briefly in Sandman Universe. Um, she lives in a giant tree filled with, like, crazy sea creatures and stuff like that. Kind of interesting, kind of cool. Um, Dora's a 
right now she's very much just a very angry character. I think there's probably meant to be more to her, um, but we haven't really gone into those depths just yet. Um, but um, she embraces, or at least perhaps one of the um, new like faceless individuals uh, who have come through, and uh, she's been using as a distraction because Dora spends a lot of her time like jumping into others' dreams and stealing things from them. And uh, today in particular, she has uh, some goals in mind. So she has a bunch of items that she's seeking out. Uh, upon grabbing them, uh, Matthew shows up, tries to give her a hard time, and she ends up like kind of doing what the Endless do, opening up this like crackling sort of like portal thing and leaving through it. And um, or Matthew's kind of blown away by that because that's something that the Endless do. And I don't know if what we're hinting at is that Dora is either tied more to the Endless than we think, she's going to become a new endless her name is dora it starts with a d much like every other endless you know destiny delirium um dream death so on so forth i'm not gonna list them all here but um if you see where i'm going here that was the part where i was just like i i don't know how i feel about that but it's only the first issue so i can't really judge yet we find out though that she um does cross realms and is able to cross into the realms of, of hell and such and um, she runs into Balam or Ball, and uh, it turns out they kind of have like a fling going on, or like it's very casual, but there's a lot of uh, like sex going on basically. And um, he is also seeking out certain items from dreams, and what he likes to do is use those in his torturing of souls who are there. He's just like, yeah, 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 giving them like you know, poking them with whatever, and like you know, roasting them, and like that—that's torture. But like giving them something that they desperately want, and just just out of their reach, he's like. That's the key. That's that's the true torture. And um, for it, he gives her like this like specialty fruit. Um, and like he's just like, there's nothing greater. Because she has a uh, certain connection to food and hunger and all of that. And um, so she gobbles this fruit up immediately and like drops a little piece of it. And Ball leans over into the doorway into the dream realm. And she's like, oh, you can't do that. And he realizes that he can because dream is gone now. And the portal between the two realms has kind of uh, waned. And um, last time that would have happened when Morpheus went missing, except for the fact that nobody knew. They all kept it a really super great secret because their realm wasn't falling apart and cracking and all that. And um, essentially he comes in, makes a huge thing, trades uh, down one of the Wervrins, and uh, Eve shows up. She, you know, is just like, yeah, I'm not going to take this lying down. Like, we're going to fight you, Ball. You're not going to take over. And that's when Dream shows up uh, in his white robe, big mask you know says like you got to get out of here ball's like oh, i thought you were the word here sorry i'm just i'm just gonna go i just i shouldn't have done that uh dora shows up just lays into dream about how he like lied to her and like you know what a jerk and you forgot about me and blah 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 and like, like you're just a spoiled brat who lives in like a toy box kind of thing whatever and um as we find out later on it's just lucian and then he put on like a costume basically and, and pretended to be dream because he didn't know what else to do because he doesn't think that dream is going to come back and they don't know how to find him. Um, and what they do find though is in the wall where they have all the artifacts where you could contact each of the endless, something has changed and uh, something new looks like it's going to be born, which again, this is why I'm like, I don't know if it has to do with Dora or not, but regardless, um, I don't know. There's like parts to it. I, I'm digging and I'm not, but like, I don't think it's fair to say if I recommend it or not at this point, because it's the first issue. If you have any interest at all in the Salmon universe or have, or, you know, you know, just want to try something a little different, maybe enjoyed 
the Daniel Hall parts from um, DC Metal. I would I would check this out. It's just we're just again on this first issue, kind of get a feel for it. Um, it's weird. It's like it helps to have the background of the first Sandman like books, but at the same time, I feel like they're doing a lot of newer things. They're using, of course, Daniel Hall, who was not really explored very much in the original Sandman um, storyline, and they have a brand new character who's clearly going to be very important. So I'm not certain if it's 100% necessary that you have that under your belt if you've never delved into the Sandman universe before. So um, yeah, I mean, if you want to check out The Dreaming Number 1, uh, they do a nice job. The art's really cool, very, very illustrative, works really well with this type of story. Um, yeah, and I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna keep picking it up and, uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll see. I'd love to know, I'd love to be able to peek into the future and see how I feel about it by issue three. If it's just, you know, if any of the things that I'm worried about come to pass or not, but we'll see. So again, like I said, check it out or not totally up to you. That that's, that's it. That's my big, my big review of that one. Um, and then the last issue that I want to talk about, uh, before I do the big reveal of who won the Keystone Comic-Con passes, uh, is Justice League number seven. Uh, yeah, Justice League number seven. We finished up this first arc. Uh, pretty awesome. Oh, also quick couple of super chats here before I go into that. Um, <laughs> Mr. Roboto, have you and Sal considered being Hawk people for Khan? Dude, I would love that. I don't know if Sal would be on board for that. The wings would be hard to manage, let's be honest. But I, I, I love Hawk Girl. Her good, the good, the bad, all of it. Yeah, that'd be pretty amazing. <laughs> be pretty, pretty amazing. But again, those wings, man, we be kind of rough, kind of rough. And Silver Cricket, since extermination is about putting the young X-Men back to where they were, do you think that they'll try to mind control Teen Bobby into thinking he was straight again? Huh, that's interesting. Um, I don't, I don't know if they would, if they would do that or if that, like, because that could become, honestly, like a PR sort of nightmare. That was a decision that they made. It's existed for, like, a while now. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that, I, I, I just I I don't I don't see that being something that would um affect things one way or the other honestly and I and I just I just don't know if that would be a good call for them right now to to do um so yeah I don't I don't know I don't I don't, I don't know um but anyway uh let's let's just jump here into uh Justice League number 7 here uh we finished the first sort of Snyder arc I'm, I'm going to call it the the first Snyder arc here um, and, uh, this is another one that Sal definitely was, he, he enjoyed that one. This, yeah. Had a good time with this book. Um, I did as well. Uh, for me, it was very much, this is like the, like, Hey, here's the end of the arc and here's some new surprises coming out. And certainly there were definitely some last minute, like what, um, in there. Uh, but in this book, uh, we get a little bit more about Vandal Savage at the beginning uh, of time and just the introduction uh, in a way seemingly to the totality for him and where he gained his knowledge. Um, but then forget that. There's no time for that because we got to jump into that battle between Hawkgirl and Lex Luthor going on because Lex Luthor is almost to the totality. She's trying desperately to stop him and potentially get to it first. Um, Lex is like, I don't understand what's going on with your wings and why you're able to be here. And I don't understand your connection, but here's the thing. At the end of the day, I'm going to touch the big Epcot ball, not you, because that's what it totally looks like to me. Just like a big glowy Epcot ball. Um, he wants to go on the ride that's inside of it. The, like the land, the living off the land. I don't know what it is. I didn't go on it. Um, but, um, she, 
really like just lays into him with the mace which again i know i mentioned this so many times but like i'm just so glad she has the mace back i love that mace it's just it's awesome it's just it looks so heavy and it would hurt so much um meanwhile the other leaguers are going forth with their plan which has placed uh john stewart in flash's car so he's going around the earth and which has now created or made the earth into a white lantern like as a whole uh, which is Kind of a cool concept. Um, I know a lot of people thought maybe it be might become another living planet, but it does not in this. Um, and instead, we have everyone trying to hold their own while Flash has a very difficult task, especially for him, which is to access the still force. It goes against every part of his nature to do this, and he struggles with it for most of this issue. Um, whilst he's doing that, Sinestro shows up, gives John a really hard time. I mean, like a really hard time. And I really sort of appreciated seeing this because I felt like it did a really good job of showing the growth that Stuart had made over this arc. Um, when we first like saw Stuart earlier on, he was very unsure of himself, especially in terms of what happened in, I think, Cosmic Odyssey, or at least they referenced that, um, the whole Jiangxi, uh, I probably mispronounced that. Uh, planet destruction, um, his relationship with uh, Jean, and uh, just his overall doubt in himself and his inability to let that go. And um, Sinestro makes a point to constantly remind him of his um, failure and um, how he brought destruction to that planet and how he's going to do it again. And he just keeps battering him with that. And um, he starts throwing out constructs that look like other lanterns, like these horrible, like horrific, just like zombie-like versions of them just really trying to make him crumble again. Um, but this John Stewart that we see now, he's not having it anymore. Like he he has grown, which I hope they continue with and, and hang on to that because I I like when a character earns growth. And I feel like over these past seven issues, John Stewart truly has earned this growth. Um, you know, allowing like to forgive himself, to let this go. And um, yeah, like we get to see him definitely grow. And I'll, I'll get to that in a minute, but let's, we'll just touch base with the other leaguers because that's how the story basically breaks down that um, basically on all fronts, they're being attacked. So you got, you know, John Stewart got Sinestro, um, Clark or Superman goes out into space, even though they're concerned because there's too much like radiation or, or, or such out there that he may not be able to handle himself, but he's doing his thing out there. Um, Aquaman and Wonder Woman are trying to keep everything like chill around Flash as he's attempting to access the Still Force, but he's having a really hard time. And um, Black Manta and Cheetah and Grodd are in basically Black Manta ship, and um, they're trying to basically break down the walls and uh, bring the whole building down on top of them. Don't forget they're underwater. And um, unfortunately, the walls are too thick for Aquaman to utilize his powers. And um, Wonder Woman's like, that's cool. You go, I'll handle this, but you go take care of this. And Aquaman's like, you sure? She's like, I just said I am, so get out of there. And uh, so Wonder Woman's like, here's the thing. Flash, it's just you and me now. I'm gonna take care of this, but you gotta hold up your end of the bargain. You gotta access this, the Still Force. And um, meanwhile, everybody else is basically being like, you gotta access the Still Force. Each person like kind of cries out to Flash being like, you gotta do it. You gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta, this is your end of the bargain, man. I know it's not what you're supposed to do, but like, yeah. Um, we get a couple of good hits in with our heroes. Uh, Aquaman calls in what looks like the Meg because I don't know how big Black Manta's ship is, but he calls in like two gigantic 
gigantic sharks. I mean, just huge. And he makes a joke about the jaws of defeat, and uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's pretty choice. Uh, I love seeing Aquaman like just this really super simplified version of him just hanging off the side of one of these giant sharks as they just crash into Black Manta's ship. And uh, of course that causes uh, Black Manta's ship to turn tail and try to escape because, I mean, literally all one of these sharks has to do is swallow them and they would be gone <laughs> because one bite, this is all it would take. This is all it would take. Um, in the, like, outside the totality, um, Lex is almost there. He's like, he's just, he's right there. He could almost, almost, he's like Indiana Jones in the Grail. He's almost got it. And, uh, Lex is like, hey, I know you're calling that to me. It's like he's trying to communicate with it and whatever is inside of it. And he's just like, but like, and I know, like, the bird girl here, like, she's got a connection to you, but don't listen. Like, she doesn't know what to do with you. I know what to do with you. I got, I got plans. I've got such plans. So just hold on a second. And uh, that's about the time that uh, <laughs> that hot girl shows up. And it looks like with some sort of either very sharp implement, sword-like thing, just slices down into Lex's like shoulder area here. And she's just like, I'm gonna wing it. I, I got this, we're, we got, we're good here. Uh, so Lex is now out of the equation. Um, Clark, or Superman's trying desperately to hold things together out in space. Um, John Stewart, tries to reach out uh, to Flash being like, here's the thing, like, this is against your nature, just like it was against my nature to forgive myself and to move faster. I, like, I kept myself held in place. And he's, he's like, you need to do that. You need to stop and slow down and, and, and basically look at things as like a whole instead of like touching every single point in a sense, if that makes, if that makes sense to you. And um, for a moment, he's able to do it, but then he ends up like, he like gets scared of it and then he completely just like goes into it and like he's able to see everything and like he's able to see in a sense what Vandal Savage felt and um and instead of like turning away and hiding like Vandal Savage wanted to uh or you know anyone who would He's like, it doesn't matter. That's not who he is. And um, so he ends up being able to close the cosmic membrane and bring Earth back into its typical space, which is awesome. And I don't know. I, I presumably no longer a White Lantern. Um, but Sinestro's like, ah, I can't believe you. What have you done? Like, that would have been awesome. The Ultraviolet Core is going to be awesome and you were going to be my paladin. But now, now what are you? And, and he's like, he's like, actually... He's like, I'm not just like, you know, a soldier. Um, I'm also an architect. And all of a sudden, like the ultraviolet ring on his like hand breaks and it turns into a Green Lantern ring. And so we got John Stewart back as a Green Lantern. And uh, he like just armors himself up and he's just going after Sinestro. And like, again, like it's just really cool to see John Stewart earn back this like like the mantle of the Green Lantern and have freed himself from that fear and that self-doubt that he had, um, especially being a Green Lantern, that helps. Um, Hawkgirl makes it to the totality and enters it. And um, what, what she finds in there basically is like a little like orb looking thing. And um, she doesn't understand what her connection is to it, um, but she brings it back to the Justice League. And um, all the bad guys flee, just as they should. And um, they're all called away, basically. Um, 
like <laughs> Joker or Lex ends up back with Joker and he tells everyone like the he tells them all to call him back. Sinestro doesn't want to be called back. He wants to fight with Jon Stewart. Um Grodd and Cheetah and Black Manta are like, yeah, get us out of here because we're gonna be eaten by a shark. And um then we get Superman doing a Batman impression and um everyone being like, see, I told you his was the best. And uh Batman's like, Yeah, no, it's that, that's not funny. You're not you're not funny at all. And um they're not initially they're not certain what happened to Kendra. And, um, but at the end of the day, again, like I said, she comes back with this like mini orb. It's almost like a tiny totality because it looked like a giant totality, but there's like a little tiny totality inside of it. And we don't get to find out what's in it because they haven't opened it yet. And I thought that that was kind of a smart decision on Snyder's part to leave that in mystery to come up later on. Um, instead of just trying to answer all the questions in this to just be like, Look, at the end of the day, we didn't find out what the totality is, but we have it. We defeated the enemy. We just like we have the ultraviolet core, I guess, out there because Sinestro seemingly is still one, I guess, until he isn't anymore. John Stewart grew as a as a as a person, as a lantern, and the league as a, as a whole kind of came together. And at the end, we get to see um, the league all in one room, looking at it, just talking about how like brave everybody was, but in particular how Hawk Girl was, and how thanks to her, now they have this. And um, you know what? At the end of the day, the source wall is broken. The multiverse is messed up. And maybe we'll have to use what's in this. But you know what? Let's try to figure some stuff out first because, you know, let's not just open this baby up because we don't know what's in here. Um, and it's fun because you get to see a bunch of the different leaguers, especially from some of the other books that are going on now. In particular, I noticed the Justice League Dark folk there, Man Bat Swamp Thing, um, Zatanna's there. So I was like, fun, fun for me. Um... Hawkgirl's left wondering what her connection to all this is. Um, and Flash ends up um, apologizing to her because he gave her a really hard time when she was selected to go on the totality team. And uh, he's like, I really shouldn't have done that. He's like, I'm so used to being like the guy who's like the science guy. But um, he's like, you were the right person for the job, basically. And he's just like, both of you, like you and Green Lantern who's also there, you're connected to this. And I guess we're going to find out how. And... Um, like Barry ends up being like, I wish that I could write like Clark can write because I wish I could like put into words what it is that I felt and like what I saw in a sense and that like everything's connected. The White Martians, the, the Seven Powers, Hawkgirl, all of it is is like by some big design. And uh, yeah, he's not really sure. And um, Green, uh, or yeah, <laughs> Martian Man, not Green Lantern. Martian Manhunter's like, hey, um, so I talked to the League and we all agree that I'm going to go back to Thanagar Prime and I got to figure out what the Martian Keepers like was not sharing with me and like just figure out what's going on in that part. And I want uh, Green Lantern and Hawkgirl to come with me. And um, John, or John's like, I really? Because like, he's like, I got to figure out what's going on with this ring because like it just kind of came out of nowhere and um, I don't want to let you down again. And... Um, Jean and John have a moment together where like Jean's like, I like, I should have recruited you myself. And the fact is I like should have like forgiven you for Jean Shi a long time ago, but I didn't, hadn't forgiven himself. And like, so the two of them like come in for a bro hug and um, they're cool again, which is awesome. And um, Superman comes in and says like, Hey, here's the thing at the end of the day, Jean, you are always going to be like the, like, like like the chief of like our little like board group here because <laughs> he talks about the boardroom again and um not just because you can connect us all and you can like help to you know coordinate everything but because you're empathetic and that's really important to us and that's what the light of the green or the white lantern means and 
Jean reveals that he's worried that what happens if they open the totality and it turns out that like they're like the Justice League is the ones who are keeping things incorrect. Like what if like everything is meant to be evil and cruel and the universe isn't meant to be light? And what if we're the villains of all of this? And like I like that as like a like a questioning for him, especially with like him tapping into uh, some of what Vandal Savage saw and a little bit like having that doubt put in there when they went into the totality or started going into the totality. Um, and like basically, <laughs> this is where I was like, all right, fine. We didn't know what else to do with Batman um, because Batman says that like in that case, then like we'll just justice harder. And like they're like, ah, that, that's a Batman voice. Ha ha. Check in with Aquaman and um, Wonder Woman who never actually had to deal with their villains really. They never had to find out or we, we didn't find out either what um cheetah and manta were doing and what it is they were seeking and they're like wondering you know what was going on with that that whole like temple area like it was amazonian and atlantean like architecture and tech together like what's what's up with that so they decide they're going to warn their peoples and um they realize they don't really have homes each either of them at this point but like you know the justice league is their home isn't that isn't that the end of the day isn't that nice yeah yeah that panel the two of them together i'm like are you guys hinting at something like is there something something going on between them or possibly i don't know um but that's completely interrupted by a huge boom and like almost like a boom tube opened up and out of it stumbles starman from the past starman just just hey it's just starman here he is it's cool whatever um Honestly, I, as far as I know, we don't really know which Starman it is because many have taken up the mantle of Starman. There was uh, one who could travel through time, but like there's a lot of different indicators in the panel as to which one it could be based on costume, based on staff, based on the fact that they clearly want us to guess about this. So they'll reveal it to us at some point. Um, but that isn't the only reveal because we check in with Lex Luthor, who's wondering about Vandal Savage, about whether or not he was correct, about like just any of it. He decides, meh, it doesn't matter. And he's just like, you know what? like like unseen individual i'm talking to like i need your help and he's just like yeah of course you do ha 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 and it's the batman who laughs he's he's still kicking he's still around it's, there you go there how <laughs> but there he is um i thought that was an interesting sort of like reveal i was like really just i yeah so i don't know i don't know so that was like that last panel reveal. I was like, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Snyder did kind of craft them, um, but I, I, I forget. Like, it's it's really soon to bring something like this back around. But I guess if if he was out and about, um, wouldn't they like? You'd have to find out about it eventually. I mean, it does seem like Lex is trying to keep him under control, which is like kind of trying to control a tornado. You really can't. So I guess we'll end up seeing how that goes because all right, I don't know. Um, there's a monster in the basement. Um, yeah, so we'll see how that goes. And, uh, yeah. Um, uh, Mr. Roboto says, isn't Sinestro dead? You mean in this book? Um, not in this book, seemingly. So, <laughs> so there you go, guys. That was, um, for the issues. Um, this one, again, Sal really, really dug. So we'll see where the next arc leads for Justice League. Um, they've got the totality now. We've got Starman's arrival. Or whatever that might uh, bring with it, and also the fact that the Batman Who Laughs is still around. So, 
I'm I, I enjoyed this story. I think it definitely had its ups and downs. Um, as for if I recommend this, well, if you haven't been reading Justice League, I do not recommend this because it's going to be kind of confusing to come in at the end of this arc. However, the next time around could, you know, next issue, I should say, we'll start a whole new arc. And uh, yeah, you always pick up this, I'm sure, in trade. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Sam Anderson says, Cenobats uh, to become the new Court of Owls, a.k.a. getting lamer and lamer. I love Cenobats. Genius. Genius. Um, but let's be honest, guys. What did you all come here for? It wasn't just talking about comics, especially because Sal isn't here. Um, it was to find out who won these Keystone Comic-Con badges. Um, so I, I wish I had a drum roll. But I, I don't. I have, I have no drum roll for you. I've got, I've got nothing for you. Um, we uh, were so flattered and overwhelmed by all the like wonderful comments from everybody. Um, even like comments from folk who like knew they wouldn't be able to go to this, but just wanted to participate and give us some ideas for our um, panel. Um, <laughs> so that was so kind of you guys. Um, it was really, really hard to make a choice. Um, and at the end of the day. Um, we like we all try to come up with it together just to, to agree on on one of them just so so many excellent excellent suggestions um yeah i hate to be the one who has to do this but here we go um the winner is uh hang on let me make sure i get the comment up here and ready um <laughs> uh the winner is ben jordan who said you guys should do a discussion of the best bat suits from comics, TV, movie, and movies and games. Um, we really enjoyed that one, especially because uh, we know that um, Ben and Ethan will be on this panel. So we felt like that was something that they could also participate in because they definitely have exposure to the movies, the games, some of the comics, and TV. Um, so Ben Jordan, please um, reach out to us, uh, I guess, either at uh, Salad Comic Pop or through uh, YouTube in some way, shape, or form. How about Ben's here right now? Um, so hopefully you can still go to this. Uh, again, sorry for the lateness of this. We tried. We there were so many comments to go through, and uh, yeah, it was so incredible. Um, <laughs> so Ben, that's so awesome that you're here, and um, we look forward to seeing you at Keystone Comic Con as well. All of you guys, if you who are going, uh, don't forget. Uh, Keystone Comic Con will be this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Saturday is our panel at 3 p.m. where we'll be talking about. Batman and another such thing. So it's also Batman Day. It's also Batman Day. And we hopefully will be able to get these out to you ASAP, Ben, so that you can uh, can, can do that. Um, <laughs> always a Ben. <laughs> There's always a Ben. You message us on Twitter. Perfect. Perfect. Very excited. Very, very excited. Uh, thank you guys so much for hanging out today um, for this sort of weird off the rack. Uh, I probably talked way too much because without Sal here to have a conversation with, I just fill the void with my voice. Um... Is Compact going to be attending Baltimore Comic Con? I believe so. As far as I know. Yes? Question mark? Um, oh, any recommendations? That's, that's a really good question. That's the one thing I didn't prepare. Uh, give me a second. But I can also tell you um, that after this, we might I might be attempting to play uh, some Spider-Man. I haven't actually played it yet. Sal's been playing it. So I missed the entire opening of the game. So I don't actually know how it opens i haven't played any of it yet so um and we'll be doing that over on that other that other thing that does the streamings um so if you want to come hang out with that and, and, and check it out got my spider-man shirt on it's also really cold here so this actually worked out really well for me let's be honest <laughs> would normally not be able to do this 
Um, checking out, seeing what's coming out this coming week. Um, of course, I go right to Image to see if anything is uh, super exciting there. Uh, oh, Oblivion Song Volume 1, or number 7, looks like it's coming out. I've been digging that a lot. Another Kirkman uh, story, uh, hopefully. You know, he's got the slow burn. Kirkman is, like, king of the slow burn for me. Uh, it doesn't always pan out, but... Not not bad. Like, you know, kind of enjoying this one quite a bit. Uh, having a good time. Uh, a lot of ums in this episode, so you can enjoy that. Uh, looks like uh, oh, looks like Death and Humans number two, if you missed out on that, has a second printing coming out. So if you missed out on it, you can go back and get it. Same with Cosmic Ghost Rider. I always like to see that uh, books having to go back to print. It's pretty awesome. Uh, Fantastic Four number two will be coming out. I'm definitely going to pick that up. Got to see what's going on. With the Fantastic Four, um, will they actually be back together this this time around? I don't know, um, but I'm going to go and find out. Hopefully you will as well. And uh, let's see what's going on in DC. Let's, 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 see, let's find out. Why not? Uh, doo -doo -doo, doo -doo. Ooh, House of Whispers, another one of the Vertigo um, books that's coming out. Um, this is one of the new ones. This is um, a new house. There's various houses that exist within uh, Vertigo's world um, and the Sandman universe. Um, but House of Whispers is coming out, so if you're interested in, like, that magical sort of, um, I, I want to say, like, voodoo sort of magic, you might want to check that out. I'm definitely, I'm going to pick up at least all of the first and probably second issues of each of the Vertigo books that are coming out. So that's the next one to come out, so definitely going to be on there. And, um, yeah. A lot of it looks like a lot of trades are coming out this week, along with, like, Detective Comics. And, uh, of course, Superman is still coming out, but we're not really reading that over here, let's be honest. So, Sal's out sick. Yes, he is. So, yes, for those who are wondering uh, why it's just me, uh, Sal got a super terrible cold. Super duper terrible cold. So sorry. Uh, Kevin Kruger. Oh, thank you so much. I sent another theme package for all to enjoy. Thank you very, very much. We always enjoy uh, your, your, your packages, so it's very lovely of you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sal's a mutant. Um, but yeah, uh, there you go, guys. That's it. Um, that was literally all I had time to read for right now um, between making sure I didn't get sick and caring for Sal as well. <laughs> so, um, because that would be my luck. I would get sick and then have it when we were at con and then I wouldn't be able to go. Or I'd have to like wear a face mask and stay as far away as possible. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's it for me, everybody. I uh, hope you have a very, very awesome rest of this weekend, or at least this Sunday. It's kind of late at this point. And I hope you have a very good week. And we'll see you all again at Keystone Comic Con. Don't forget, Keystone Comic Con is this weekend. Philadelphia. Panel, 3 p.m. Saturday. Be there. Be square. We're totally square, so you can be square no matter what. So, uh... <laughs> Don't forget to head over to the Purple Channel too. So, all right, bye guys. Bye.